This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. It's Friday afternoon, so it's our Doctor in the House segment with Dr. George Lee, our consultant urologist in the house. How are you, George? Oh, second week, uh, second Friday of the year. Mm-hmm. We're excited to kind of like uh, explore other subjects. And today's subject, we have not really explored too much, but I'm quite interested to find out more about it. And I think it's something our listeners are very familiar with, probably mm. have a lot of thoughts or questions about. I'm sure about. there'll be lots and lots of phone calls and WhatsApp messages. That's right. We're talking about dietary supplements, the industry in Malaysia, as well as uh, ensuring responsible regulation and what consumers need to know uh, when it comes to buying and consuming dietary supplements. And it it is a big uh, industry. It's a big market out there. In 2022, sales of vitamin and dietary supplements in Malaysia were valued at 4.89 billion ringgit. And uh, (laughs) we're talking billions. Uh, So you can see that the demand is there, the Mm -hmm. demand is huge, the demand is growing. Uh, But also, I think um, what else is growing is the pressure on the industry and on consumers themselves to, um, you know, guard against the sale and consumption of supplements that may be unsafe, ineffective or counterfeit. So joining us in the studio today, Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplement Association, to explore some of these issues. Dr. Rajan, sorry, Dato Dr. Rajan, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, Shawik. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the time and Dr. George, yes. good afternoon. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, your, you know, enlighten us with a little bit about dietary supplement, yeah. really. Call us with your questions, 03-777-32900. You can also WhatsApp our U mobile number, 018-789-8899, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Dr. Rajan, perhaps definitions first um, to yeah. make sure that people understand. And uh, we're all on the same wavelength. What exactly constitutes dietary supplements? Mm-hmm. in the Malaysian framework especially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, what might not be a dietary mm-hmm. supplement? Sure. Uh, in a Malaysian framework and a global framework, you know, the word dietary supplement in many ways already explains dietary from diet. Supplement means we are assuming that for somehow, for whatever reason, you're not getting more in your diet mm-hmm. and therefore you're supplementing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was telling earlier, you know, if you took two oranges, you probably will get what you will find in a tablet of vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, mm-hmm. right? But the, there's an interface between what is food, the two oranges, and what constitutes a supplement. So by definition, a supplement means it's something of a concentrated food in a fixed dosage form, capsule, mm-hmm. tablet, spray, chewable tablet, syrup, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as it gets into where it's concentrated, a definition of so many milligrams per dose, and it comes in a dosage form that would be deemed fixed dosage, pharmaceutical dosage, as a capsule, tablet, spray, you know. Not, not a food or a drink. Not a food or drink. If it's a food or drink, it, it is still seen as a food, as mm-hmm. a food. Mm-hmm. Even though it's supplemented into the food, into diet, yeah. So oh. that will be supplemented foods. Okay, and you do get that. You mm-hmm. get you know drinks, which like for example, calcium enriched milk. Calcium enriched milk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even it goes even a little bit beyond that. Chewable tablets, which contain that, it's still deemed as a food, mm-hmm. or so kind of like vitamin C enriched 
orange yeah. juice. Yes, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, kids get their gummies, right? Gummies which has got vitamin C in it mm-hmm. or vitamin D in it or omega-3 in it. This would would be deemed as food, but... Oh. But food supplement, but food supplement, not dietary supplements. All right. So, are supplements really necessary? Uh, assuming we uh, have uh, the means and the resources to avail ourselves of the uh, nutrients in a well-balanced diet. I mean, I, we don't have we have no shortage of food really around us. Um, sunlight. Um, when would a person need supplements for their health? Okay. That's a very good question because a lot of people would acknowledge that today's modern living, we take a lot of highly processed foods, uh, foods that may taste good but do not have the nutrient content. Um, And that, unfortunately, most of us are in that, right? Uh, Number one. Number two is that we now stress our bodies beyond what it used to be. Mm. Uh, we work harder, we work longer, we sleep lesser, we, we, we don't eat the right kind of food at the right time. So in this kind of environment, then supplementation becomes a need, right? So if you go globally, the global supplement industry has been growing double digit every year for the last 25 years. Mm. I wanted to pick up on that point there. I mean, you said that in the event or in the scenario where we have pressurized work, kind of like an urban lifestyle, yeah. you said this supplementation become a necessity. Is there any evidence to suggest that... Um, under that circumstance, supplement can reverse that sort of pressure? Because presumably supplement is to fill the void. If there's no void and then, you know, just because we're under pressure, we're under sleep, what we need is extra sleep but not supplement really. Yeah. No, so the the biggest argument that that's made against supplements is you're going to get expensive urine, right? You're, you're taking all this thing, it's going to come out, right? Um, and in, in some cases, it may be true. Mm-hmm. But... And I can go to, I'll take example of omega-3, right? We've done work in Malaysia, we've done work globally. It's very easy for anybody to do a simple blood test that gives you what is called your omega index, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, most Malaysians will not qualify in the omega-3, omega-6 ratio. They just won't because we've taken a lot of omega-6 in our food, which is pro-inflammatory, but don't take enough omega-3, which is anti-inflammatory, right? Mm. So I've got a doctor in Malaysia who has done about a 1,000 cases of simple blood tests, and there are only three people who, who met that, that index. Mm. But a blood test doesn't necessarily mean you will have a dysfunction or that will lead to no. development of disease, no, right? Not at all, not at all. Uh, a blood test is an early warning symptom. And most of us don't do it until, you know, it's get gets too late, right? So the people who go for regular blood tests, and you know, there are a lot of doctors now actually call for these blood test panels. Mm-hmm. I work with a, a large number, of, many of them, at least 200 doctors in Malaysia, where they do these panels, right? And people go regularly every six months or a year, right? And we do not recommend that they take a supplement until the blood markers don't behave mm-hmm. the way they should. I find it quite difficult to kind of digest when you suggest that this doctor, uh, you know, investigated a large number of population, only two or three of them actually uh, meet this. 
but not all of us are ill or not destined yeah. to be ill. Yeah. And then suddenly, who set the benchmark to say that level of omega-6, omega-3 is what is normal? Because presumably... It, we follow what the general population is. Uh, presumably, that is a minority who is yeah. normal according to that benchmark, but right. everyone else seems to be abnormal. Right. Now, this in this case, I can say this is the American Heart Association. Well, that's not necessarily mean that it's the best and that what's the benchmark we should follow. Well, we've got to follow one body somewhere in the world. Not right? necessarily. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, what they said is right doesn't mean that it's definitely right for our population. Yeah. And that's why it's important that you do your own test, right? And you decide. For example, the American Heart Association says for people above the age of 40, mm-hmm. they recommend, and that, that's a very conservative organization, the AHA. Right, that you take a thousand milligrams of omega three after your forty males. Right, mm. uh, this is obviously based on data, you know, based on data. Less of an issue for females, but certainly with males. Um, and we also know that if you took folic acid, for example, uh, we know that now doctors routinely prescribe folic acid for mothers who are about to be pregnant or pregnant because mm. the data is quite strong. We know with vitamin D with vitamin C. Uh, we know during COVID, there was a very good study done in, in New York uh, in the height of COVID that if your vitamin D is below 18 milligrams per nanometer, the risk of you getting COVID are high. If it's below 15, the risk of you actually ending up in hospital are higher. And if it's below 12, the risk of you actually dying from COVID are very high. Mm. Right? So there's a direct correlation with blood levels of vitamin D and the possibility of you getting COVID or succumbing to COVID, mm-hmm. right? Same with now, to, for example, calcium right? mm-hmm. uh, with bone osteoporosis is also very well connected. Now, there's a very clear correlation between calcium and osteoporosis, osteopenia, mm-hmm. right? So I think um, because uh, these are micronutrients and macronutrients that come from food, earlier you gave the example, two oranges can give you what that tablet can give you. Um, Why don't we just eat two oranges? I think we we recommend that you do that. Nothing beats wholesome, good, natural food. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I think nobody who will say otherwise has credibility. But do you get it? Mm -hmm. Mm. Are you eating that? Even if you take the vitamin, the oranges, right? You, when you take that orange, is it properly uh, farmed? Is it being sprayed with pesticides and, and all that that goes with it, mm. right? Today, for example, in most farming, it's intense farming, so we just use three main nutrients, NPK, mm-hmm. you know, to give it a bright orange, right? Uh, that may not necessarily, I'm not saying it will, may not necessarily have all that you need. But still, the recommendation is wholesome, fresh food, if you can get it. Mm. And that's what we recommend. These are supplements. It's adding on to that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not in place of that. We're never saying, okay, stop eating oranges and take just the vitamin mm. C tablet. That would be very, very okay. wrong. We've got questions about vitamin C. We've got questions about omega-3 uh, coming from our listeners. Yep. Let's go for a quick break first, and we will address those when we come back. My co-host, Dr. George Lee in the studio, and uh, our guest today is uh, Dr. Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplements Association. You can WhatsApp your questions to us uh, 018-789-8899 call us at 03 
0377-332-900 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my co-host for the Doctor in House segment, Dr. George Lee. Today, we're speaking to Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplement Association, about consumption of dietary supplements, what we need to know about um, whether we need them, what kind do we need, um, regulation and safety as well. Call us with your questions, 03-7733-2900, WhatsApp, our U-Mobile number, 0 18789 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We have so many questions coming in. I'm going to go Clearly with this a first. Very popular topic. Yeah, because yeah. we left off talking about oranges and vitamin C, mm. for instance, mm. and how, of course, if you can eat your oranges and eat your other fruits and vegetables that give you that vitamin C. But, you know, um, I think we only have to just look at our stores or perhaps advertisements and all that to see that vitamin C supplements are being touted to boost immunity, um, your well-being, prevent colds. And our listener, Kat, is asking, um, studies have shown that vitamin C supplements don't have much impact in preventing the risk of catching colds. So why is there this push for people to consume vitamin C, are people taking higher doses of vitamin C than necessary? Um, am I might would I be taking a higher dose than necessary as opposed to just eating two oranges a day? Okay, uh, Kat, I'm not so sure where you got the study. is shown to be ineffective. There are more than six thousand studies published in PubMed about vitamin C and immunity, vitamin C and the common cold. Um, I, I, I want to go back again. I think if you take your two oranges, you're better off because not just vitamin C, but there are other things in oranges that make the vitamin C work better, stay longer in the body. Uh, it's always better to take a rainbow of nutrients than just one. So I don't want to come away saying, look, just take vitamin C and you'll never have a cold for the rest of your life. Um, so I think that we need to be very clear that if you are eating right and living right, you probably don't need supplements. Let's be clear about that, right? But if you feel that for your lifestyle is compromised uh, or you feel that, you know, so, you know you, you, you're worried about the fact there's this flu season coming now and you want to boost, then you take it, right? It's elective. It's not mandatory. Now, the next question is, are, are you taking too much? Are you taking what you don't need, right? Uh, and that's where a lot of the debate is now, mm -hmm. right? Um, we know vitamin C helps. Are you taking too much? Mm -hmm. Are you taking the wrong type of dose, right? And if you take vitamin C, you take a thousand milligrams, but yours is not time release, so that's going to get washed out very quickly. So taking a time release supplement where it's over time is better, right? Mm -hmm. So there are, it's, it's a very loaded question, but I do want to say one thing. Vitamin C and its effect on coal and on immunity is very, very well established. Mm. Right? Um, and to your point about, um, you know, what people are doing overall in their lives, yeah. um, you know, because it's the way we eat, it's the yeah. way we sleep, it's yeah. uh, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony is asking um, if, as you say, we're living in an environment where most people are eating processed um, foods, Ultra highly processed, processed food. foods, yeah. Yeah. Um, wouldn't the right approach be to start eating proper, well-balanced, nutritious foods instead of um, eating potato chips and taking the yes. supplements yeah. to, to make Ma up? Matza, matza works very closely with the Malaysian Wellness Society. 
Uh, and there, the idea is wellness is not just one little tablet, one little supplement. It's mm-hmm. an overall lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You need to eat well. You need to live well, sleep well, right? You need mm-hmm. to find time to de-stress, meditate, do mindfulness and everything else. Mm-hmm. It is part of an overall wellness lifestyle, not the only element of an overall mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle. I, mm-hmm. think, I think that we are clear about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, because you addressed omega-3 as well earlier, yeah. Dr. Rajan, are all omega-3 supplements the same? Mm. And I want to expand from this listener's question mm. to talk about, you may refer to many studies that mm. look at certain active ingredients. Yeah. How do I know that this specific product that I'm buying yeah. uh, contains the same um, exact active ingredient that was used in the studies? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, w- with omega-3 or any supplement, right, uh, you need to look at the label, you need to look at the manufacturer, you need to look at the information available online on their websites uh, because every product is different in the way it's made, mm-hmm. in the way it's formulated, in the way it's combined with other things. Omega-3 itself, for example, there is an, the first thing is the amount of DHA EPA varies from product to product. Uh, the fact that you put in an antioxidant to make it live longer, make it live longer, make it stay longer is important. Mm. Even a little thing as, is it being stored in an amber glass bottle is important. Right. For omega-3 particularly. Mm. So there are so many elements of this, you know, and I don't want to come away with one standard recommendation. Mm. Coming back to that question, is about, are all omegas um, the same? Uh, no. How many omegas are there? And then which one do you need and which one do you not, uh, not need? Yeah, now, and if it's so variable, how do we expect consumers to be able to make those decisions? Yeah. Well, uh, let me answer Dr. George's question first. How many types of omega? There are two main groups that we talk about nutritionally, omega-3 and omega-6. Mm-hmm. Uh, omega-6 is pro-inflammatory. Omega-6 is, omega-3 is anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, in a car, brake and the brake and the accelerator, right? They, they, Omega-9 is more neutral, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then, going back to Shawik's question, uh, how is the customer supposed to know? Uh, we don't expect the customer to know because there's a lot, right? So, but that information will be available with the company that's providing the supplementation. It'll be available with the pharmacist if you, if you talk to the pharmacy. It'll be available with the doctor if you're getting it off a doctor. Uh, and of course, increasingly, you know, people are now in, in all the social media groups, chat groups. So somebody's taken it, they've seen the benefit, they talk about it. So you trust that person and you, Ooh, you buy the product. Isn't that dangerous? Um, uh, the, yes, yes and no. We've yes talked and no. on this show a lot yeah. about people getting perhaps well intended, but, um, you know, it could be the wrong advice of relatives and what you read on social media. Now, Ideally, you should get it from a doctor, a pharmacist, or from the company itself, right? That company is responsible. But whether we like it or not, we are in, in, in social. I talk to my brother or I talk to my sister. They took it. They like it. They recommend it. It's very difficult for us to go to that level of, you know, telling people, don't talk to your sister because she took uh, vitamin C or she took calcium and she's stronger bones, Right. But we are social animals. We are always getting social information. But you want to verify it with an authority that you can trust, 
a doctor, a pharmacist, or the company itself, right? There are a lot of companies that don't sell supplements via pharmacy. They are network marketing companies. But if you trust them or you trust their information and if they're giving us you certain guarantees, you can go with that. Yeah, but I I also concur with what Shawi said. I'm like, although they're well-intended neighbours, yeah. but earlier on you said the worst thing can happen to over-supplementation is expensive urine, but I disagree with that. For example, calcium intoxication clearly is an issue. Even vitamin C, presumably, um, excess amount of vitamin C can form stones, kidney stones or ascorbic acid. Yeah. So when somebody kind of like a read the neighbour's neighbor's recommendation and then has renal impairment or something like a recurrent stone former and suddenly decided to do this because everybody's are different, right? Okay. And then uh, they ended up with harm rather than just assuming that yeah. all supplements are completely harmless. No, I, I don't think we want to come away saying supplements are harmless. Uh, supplements can also interact with medicines, for mm. example, right? And that's why we would like that people take the route of speaking to a doctor or a pharmacist or the company that's making that supplement. That's mm-hmm. the best way to go forward. But we cannot today not discount the social element of it. But if you hear it about your sister, you can still verify with the doctor or a pharmacist or the mm-hmm. company, right? Okay. But, but you're going to get a lot of information and we cannot run away from this. We know that people now get a lot of the information via social media. Right. Mm, yeah, there, there is something about supplements that um, is very much discussed within that yeah. space. And yeah. I think there has been some harm caused by people who claim that supplements are completely harmless or do all this benefit. I don't think that we would ever say a supplement is harmless. If Mm. it's so harmless, then it possibly can't be useful as well. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Um, Here's a question from a listener who said FDA in the US had taken action against supplement manufacturers that didn't take steps to ensure their products actually contain the ingredients they claim to. In Malaysia, how are we protected in this regard against lackadaisical? supplements manufacturers. Can you talk or address this question Absolutely. and talk about regulations? Yeah. Uh, the US is kind of different in the sense that FDA makes a disclaimer that FDA has not uh, uh, regulated this drug and it's put, it's, up, it's put out there. In Malaysia, that's not possible. Uh, every product in Malaysia must be registered with the Ministry of Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, Under which authority? NPRA, National Pharmaceutical Regulatory Authority, kind of our FDA. So every product has an MAL number on the pack and generally has a hologram sticker that kind of tracks its its progress from manufacture to your home. Um, and so we, have, we are a lot better in that sense mm. in terms of regulation. So if you took a product and it proven to be unsafe for whatever reason, you have a recourse by going back and complaining to the Ministry of Health. Mm-hmm. So in a case where, um, George, you must have seen it as well, perhaps supplements contraindicating or interacting adversely with um, sort of mainstream medicine, yeah. um, does that regulatory process allow consumers to seek recourse if they took... Um, ginkgo that somehow causes blood thinning and yep. you know because yep. they have a condition yep. I've been doing this for 25 years and we do a lot with omega 3 I've never seen a problem that necessitated emergency medicine I'm not saying that makes it harmless but it's not as bad as you would think provided you are getting it from the right sources. We are, in Matsa, we are more concerned of people buying products that are not registered, mm-hmm. that are bought online, that are bought from overseas, imported. 
uh, that are bought from questionable sources where it's very cheap, but you're probably buying an expired product or an adulterated product, right? We know uh, for a long time, many herbal supplements uh, uh, proclaiming to be libido-enhancing actually contain pharmaceutical ingredients. Mm -hmm. uh, we know products that uh, for a long time, products that claim to have immunity had antibiotics in mm -hmm. rifampicin in particular. Um, and um, so that's what we are concerned about, to make that safeguard in terms of at least what's on the label should be what it is. Mm. Coming and, back to Shawik's uh, scenario, if somebody kind of want to try on, let's say, some supplement uh, off the shelf. I mean, presumably there's no consultation. You go to a yep. health food store, you buy it, yep. and somehow it interacts with your warfarin that you're taking yeah. because there's no doctors involved. But under that circumstance, there's no recourse, presumably. Uh, there is no recourse in terms of that, but you can then lodge a complaint with the Ministry of Health and there's a proper method of documentation. And then the Ministry of Health will come back to those companies that were implicated. And Against whom? Let's just say company XYZ sold that product. Right. And you make a report, then the Ministry of Health will get in touch with company XYZ. Mm -hmm. In a sense, the company XYZ actually, in a way... Um, should they be held responsibility? Because presumably um, the whole idea is that if there was a consultation with the doctor, yeah. then the whole idea is that there will be alertness about taking warfarin and interactions with vitamin K, for example, uh, will be with, with, um, with warfarin. Yeah. And then under that circumstance, in a way, everyone just hold up their hands and said, well, in the first place, there should be consultations because vitamin K does interact with yeah. warfarin. And then you suddenly decide uh, and ended up with a thrombosis. Who should be responsible? When you register vitamin K, there is a disclaimer on the pack. This product contains vitamin K and can cause bleeding problems. Mm. Consult your doctor. Nobody's reading those packs, right? <laughs> so how, how, how do we resolve this? Um, well, I think, you know, education education, mm. buying it from authorised sources, right? Mm. But by law, if you, vitamin K in particular has a specific disclaimer in there and every product has a says consult a physician, mm. you know. I mean, right. the best that we can say right now is read the pack. Yeah. <laughs> or or pack. eat your fruit and vegetables and don't right. go for a supplement. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and check it online because you can check it mm. today by going to the company, look at the product there. You can also check with other supplements. You can also check globally mm -hmm. where it is. Right? Mm. Speaking of online, uh, I think and our Muniandi uh, uh, had sent in some voice notes. This is probably just one example of people buying supplements online. He says he doesn't buy from a local, um, I'm not going to name it, local e-commerce platform because yep. the prices are questionably low. He buys from a dietary supplement website, which ships directly from the US instead, and he feels that the manufacturing is guaranteed there. Oh, yeah. um, is that really, um, you know, a, a, a stamp of approval for consumers to follow? No, no. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that you're better off buying from a local company because at least you've got local protection. If you're, the product's made in the US or somewhere else, you have no local protection at all. Right? Mm -hmm. Here, at least you can go back to company XYZ and said, on your pack, you said this and this. I did a test and I'm not getting that. So that company is still liable within mm -hmm. the context of Malaysian laws and regulation. 
But if you bought it from a US company that probably made it in China, then you know, mm. you've absolutely no protection. Mm. Incidentally, is it legal even to get that supplement shipped into Malaysia? Uh, right now, for personal consumption, I think if you buy under six bottles or three bottles, it's it's fine mm. oh, for personal okay. use. E- uh, well, even though in Malaysia, I mean, presumably uh, there's a strict regulations about how the manufacturers and distributions of that um, has to be adhered to the uh, the code, but yet some drugs that you uh, cons- um, that you order um, o- over internet is actually allowed. Is, is that true? Yes, right now it is. And that's that's something that we want to educate consumers with. We would prefer them to buy them locally, not to buy them online. Because when you buy locally, you, you actually get a product that at least somebody, a company XYZ is standing behind, mm-hmm. right? If you buy it from company ABC that's selling online, in the US, that company doesn't necessarily have to mm-hmm. be liable in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go for another quick break and come back to continue this discussion. My co-host, Dr. George Lee, in the studio with me, along with Dr. Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplement Association. You can call us with your questions, 03-777-32900, WhatsApp our U-Mobile number, 018-789-8899, or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be right back. Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik, and my co-host for the Doctor in the House series today, Dr. George Lee. We're speaking to Dr. Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplement Association. You can share your questions or thoughts with us on WhatsApp. Our number is 018-789-8899. You can call us at 03-7733-2900 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We've got lots of questions. We will try to get to some of them at least. Um, I would like to ask about, uh, and this has been brought up, and since we were talking about um, regulating and protecting consumers, um, many of the supplements that people purchase are also those, I mean, you talked about sort of the online space earlier. A lot of it's also um, on WhatsApp groups, um, Facebook groups, um, banners on the highway that, um, you know, you don't know really who's the company that's standing behind it. Um, What are your thoughts from the industry perspective? What are your thoughts on that? Um, Why is that sort of um, really booming? It's, It's mushrooming everywhere. Yeah. I think more important than regulation is education. Mm-hmm. Consumers who are educated will make wiser decisions and they'll know how they are protected and how they can get protected in the event of an adverse event. So Matsa's big thing is to educate. And we work with the regulators, that's Ministry of Health, right? And the other thing is to educate consumers not to get supplements from non-authorized sources, be they online, some shady website, some WhatsApp group or some Facebook group, right? Um, when you come into supplements, don't save money. Mm-hmm. Don't try to get it cheap. Don't try to get it f- because you could save 15, 20% from an unauthorized outlet, mm-hmm. right? Um, take it seriously. It's an investment in your health. It's an investment in your future. 
Um, it's a lot of money, right? It is. Yeah. Oh, uh, four point eight billion dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. So, so Munian, one of Munian's face uh, voice notes was that he spends two hundred ringgit a month to reach the one gram of EPA DHA um, in the form of omega three supplements. I yep. think um, that could be one of many supplements that yep. a consumer would take. Yep. It, yes. Isn't that worrying that you know? While uh, people are kind of like uh, finding it difficult to make ends meet, but yet there's this pressure for them to take supplement with such Dr. high cost. Dr. George, that is the very perceptive, and that's exactly why the supplement business grows every year. Consumers are not stupid. They might make this in once or twice, mm. but the fact that they keep on buying it, it's perverse logic because it's cheaper for me to get sick and go to the government in a hospital but they all or get it reimbursed by insurance. But to, for you to take money out of your own pocket mm. every month and put it into a supplement, it means it's working. All right. But if we look at the numbers of people with non-communicable diseases, yeah. um, which are spiking yeah. um, like nobody's business, yeah. perhaps that the contrary is true? Um, people no. are perhaps spending a lot of money on supplements and finding some sort of solution, yeah. but everyone's still getting sicker by the day. You see, again, you need to go down deeper in the numbers. You need to dive deeper. Are the ones who are getting sicker the ones who are taking supplements or the ones who are not taking supplements? Well, right? in, by definitions, people who kind of like uh, focus on supplements are the people who are more health conscious. Yeah. In many ways, yes. that kind of serve a smaller population. Yes. And then, but... The wider population, in a way, what what I'm trying to get at is that when when there's this pressure in the world saying that all these supplements are going to boost your immunities and then you need all these, when is it going to end? Because every morning you just need to pop pills and pills and pills into your body and then presumably all these preservatives and everything, it's already but quite But it is anti- elective. You choose to continue that. You are not asked to. You, you make the decision yourself. Mm. A, if you do it every week, every month, it must work for you. Mm. If not, you wouldn't. Mm. But, you know, being bombarded with a lot of um, marketing information, yeah. uh, which puts pressure on us that this is um, a, a must-do as part of a healthy lifestyle. Must-do, but you don't have to. You, it's still your choice. What you put in your mouth is entirely up to you. Unlike a drug where the doctor says take this three times a day for a week, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, there it's a mandate. But here, I decide to buy my vitamin C. I decide to give my kids omega-3. I decide to take calcium, right? And I can stop at any time. Mm -hmm. I can switch brands at any time. This Mm. is consumerism at its best, Right? I'm not being forced. Nobody's putting a gun to my head and saying you must take it twice a day. Nobody's saying you must go and buy it in the pharmacy today. You walk in the pharmacy, you still can have a myriad of choices to, to buy the product from. Mm. Right? Um, of course, at the receiving end is an industry that is worth, uh, what was it, uh, uh, 4.89 billion ringgit. And growing, I might add. Mm-hmm. And I think that figure is not even accurate because it doesn't include middlemen, manufacturers, doesn't it, we think it's closer to 8 billion. Mm. And that's good. People are making a proactive, healthy decision and they're choosing to continue. They must be benefiting. They mustn't be dying off. If not, it, the industry will die by itself, right? Mm. And this is not Malaysia. This is global, all over the world. So much so now, insurance companies are saying, look, let's give supplement users a discount, 
like the, those who don't smoke or those who go to gyms, right? We now, Matsa is talking to the Malaysian government to see can the government allow supplement users to make uh, income tax rebate when they buy supplements because they are making a, a pro-conscious decision by choice without any incentive. Why don't we say, okay, you know, if, why don't you get an income tax rebate on that? Because it's a healthy life choice. Mm. Mm. But um, in spending the 200 ringgit a month, yeah. for instance, yeah. on certain supplements, um, are I know it is... At the end of the day, individual choice. Yes. Um, but with the uh, information, I come back to the marketing information that uh, you know it, we're being bombarded with, um, the promises being made to consumers. Uh, is that two hundred ringgit being taken away, which um, could be used for um, other purposes, yeah. uh, and are consumers? Um, foregoing those um, healthy lifestyle changes that they should be making. I, I say it in the beginning and I say it again. We are not saying supplements are the beyond, beyond and all of it, right? You've got to take all the other things. If you're taking supplements and eating ultra-processed foods every day. Smoking, or smoking, alcohol. Or not exercising, or not sleeping enough. You are not serving your body at all, right? Let's be very clear about that. We are saying this is one of the many elements of a healthy lifestyle. But it's completely elective. You can quit anytime, right? Now, we might say 200 ringgit, right? That is true, but it's 200 ringgit for a month. A lot of people also have 200 ringgit meals as well, mm. right? So you need to break it down into context, right? And again, that guy clearly can afford 200 ringgit. He can afford it. Uh, he sees it as insurance mm. for his future, mm. right? Um, we do have a different perspective here. Um, this listener says, I'm 66 this year. Never in my life have I taken supplements. I exercise regularly and I keep my mind working daily. So that's an interesting yeah, um, yeah. perspective. Well, well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Happy birthday, 66. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just to wrap up, Dr. Rajan, yeah. um, coming back to Matsa's role yeah. and you talk about consumer education. So um, how do you play that role and ensuring that education or, or, or rather your role in awareness um, creating is also balanced um, Matsa is made up of industry players yes. as well so um, what are how balanced are you in playing that role of consumer education awareness and consumer protection I think Matsa as an organization will have no credibility if we went out there and told consumers only the good stuff we are not an association, we are not a private company, right? And that's why we try to work with as many stakeholders as we can across the, the spectrum. We try to work with the government. We're now dialoguing directly with the ministries of health, with the ministries of sports and science, uh, uh, with NPRA. Uh, now, because of this income tax rebate, we're also with the Ministry of Finance, right? I've got an important meeting next week. The idea is that we want to make a platform where consumers can make their own decision based on information that they have that they can verify and invest in their health. Right? It's not you're forced. There's no rule here. We're not mandating anything. We're not asking. In fact, we're asking to liberalize it further. Right? That become a platform where consumers get the choice in what I call a consumer-driven open market to make decisions about their health. Now, they could buy it once, and if they either see no benefit or harm, they will stop. 
Mm. Then the industry will not grow. Yeah, but at very high personal cost to you know to the individual where the harm has has uh, occurred. That's the good question. So how often do you hear of the harm? I know it's being blown up, one little thing here and there. But is it happening every day? No, I've been here for twenty five years. Mm, I'm a pharmacist by training. Yeah, I've right? spoken to enough healthcare professionals, doctors uh, yeah. who have seen, and because they now, are in a role where yeah, they but, but they doctors treat are, the doctors Ill are a little bit different. Effects. And I'm going to be clear because I've got a doctor in the room here. <laughs> Doctors catch them at the end of it. Yes, exactly. Right? So there, we do not recommend supplements already. You know what I mean? So you should be talking to your doctor if you are in, if you are an end stage renal failure. We we don't want to make any recommendation that a urologist or a nephrologist would not be doing. Mm. Right. So perhaps an area for Matsa to also look at. I mean, I would advocate for that. You know, to increase the education where, where the People, consumers are if BFM most vulnerable. gives us more time, we'll do it. No problem. <laughs> George, do you have final thoughts? Well, before my final thoughts, I'm going to ask you. Shoei, do you take supplements? Ah, Dr. Rajan asked me that just now. I don't. <laughs> you don't? I okay, don't. right. Okay. Is there anything in today's conversations that actually can, like, you know, would convince you to take supplements? Uh, not for me personally. And as Dr. Rajan said, right, it's yeah, personal It's personal. Right? Yeah. I don't take supplement. Yeah. It's not that I, well, actually, I don't believe in supplements because I think in the malnutritionist environment, supplement obviously is important. There are certain individuals that supplements are crucial. For example, osteoporotic uh, individuals that will require excess amount of calcium. And, pregnant you know, nursing pregnant mothers. Rater, yeah. And then mothers. under those circumstances, I think those will be understandable. And then, However, I think the takeaway that I have today from all these listeners out there, I I think one of the problems about supplement is that when someone has been given false assurance that supplement can replace healthier lifestyle, that is the danger. That's when someone feels that by no. popping, the, popping this pill, yeah. I can do away with um, you know, sleeping. exercise, sleeping, sleeping you know, and eating or healthily. I could, I could smoke to glory. Yeah. We, we and never then, do that. And then that is when we see deteriorating health with a false assurance. And I, I come across patients when they would rather take supplement rather than take pills, uh, let's say antibiotics for urinary tract infection, just because they feel that it, antibiotics is more harmful than supplement. And that is a situation where I think um, that might be a false perception that, that the is, general public That might is have. not Matsa's position. No. That's we're, right. And I think that is a danger there. that yeah. a show like this should probably highlight to people that supplement means supplement in addition to your mainstream treatment. Correct. Yeah. And in addition to a healthy overall lifestyle. Indeed. Yeah. 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 Supplements are not medicine. Yeah. Uh, they were never meant to be. Yeah. Um, talk to your healthcare professional mm-hmm. um, because you every person is different. Uh, and um, at the end of the day, choice, yes. I suppose. Yes. Um, don't be pressured uh, to doing what may or may not be right for you. Dr. Rajan, thank you so much for joining us in Shall this we, conversation thank you for the today. Dr. Dr. Rajan Manika, President of the Malaysian Dietary Supplement Association. And Dr. George Lee, my co-host. This has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.